Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. chapter number 21 and it is so wonderful to see you here this morning I'd like to ask you a question if you would raise in just a moment ask you to raise your hand how many of you do not want to go to the lake of fire how many of you with an amen are looking forward to going to heaven this morning I have the great privilege and honor as we get near the end of revelation to speak about Heaven. Now let me ask you this, by upraised hand, how many of you have a dear friend, loved one, spouse, perhaps a child or a grandchild, but you have someone special who is already in heaven? I can't wait to meet my dad and see him again, my grandfather. Some of you have a child that's in heaven and you can't wait to see them again. Some of you have a spouse that's in heaven and you just can't wait. I hope this morning that you will be so encouraged by, about what has been written about heaven and about what we have to look forward to. In fact, uh, when, I, when I look at heaven and we preach this message about heaven, uh, the, the, the fact is, is that we have all, an entire chapter and into the next chapter about heaven. So let's pick up Revelation chapter 21, drop down to verse number 9. I'll quickly read our text verses this morning, and you follow along. If you do not have a Bible, those words will be on the screen behind me. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them... The names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Father, I pray that you allow all of us to be able to pay attention. Help me to only speak words that are necessary to be spoken this morning. Therefore, empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, I love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So the guide said to John, John, I'm going to give you a guided tour through heaven. And he did that. And this morning, uh, we're going to attempt to eavesdrop, if you will, on what the angel had to say to the Apostle John. You know, sometimes people make fun of us for believing in heaven, and, and they talk about pie in the sky when you die. Well, I kind of like pie. I might be having the main course down here, but I'm looking forward to going to heaven for some dessert. I just can't wait to go to heaven. How about you? Um... I talked to a couple teenagers, and they said they're looking forward to going to heaven, but just not yet. They'd like to get married first. 
Um, I remember saying that. The Lord, you could come back. I can't wait till the rapture takes place, but can I have my first grandchild first? Well, the Lord has delayed that and I have eight now. So uh, um, I can't wait. I think all of us, for various different reasons, we look forward to going to heaven. And uh, whatever your motivation here this morning, I do hope that we're able to help give an accurate depiction of that which will take place in heaven. Some people, they sneer and they say, they say something like this, well, Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. May I suggest that I believe the opposite is true. Many of us are so earthly minded, we're no good to heaven or earth. And the Bible says this in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul said, if ye then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The Bible says that we are to be heavenly minded. Understand that. We are to be heavenly minded. And that's what Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath, or where neither moth nor uh, rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your heart is not in heaven, it's because your treasure is down here. And may I say it is not your treasure that God wants. Do you understand? God doesn't need anything. God wants your heart. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And by the way, if you want to know how rich you are, here's how you can figure out how rich you are. You add up everything that you have that money cannot buy and that death cannot take away. That's how rich you are. What treasure uh, do you really have in heaven at this moment? So when we talk about heaven, oh, there's a lot of talk about heaven. There's no way that we can intellectually understand it all. And I don't mean to be offensive to anyone here that has a, a brilliant IQ, but we cannot understand heaven. And I can prove it because God allowed the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos to have a glimpse into heaven, and John could not describe it. He did his very best to describe heaven, and even it was, it was so above him that he could not find all the words to describe heaven. So let me quickly give you this morning. By the way, just sit back and relax. I know exactly what time it is. I got three clocks facing me. <laughs> and I have many of you that do this, okay? I know what time it is, but I'm going to share five glorious facts about heaven this morning. And I trust that you'll be encouraged. Here's glorious fact number one, and we're going to look at the geography of heaven. I want us to see the geography of heaven and learn that heaven is actually a material place. Now, when I say material place, I say this. It is a place, P-L-A-C-E. It is real. It's not some gaseous, mysterious, now you see it, now you don't smoke in mirrors. Heaven is a real, real place. You can put your feet on it. You say, Pastor, why do you say that so firmly? Because I think we need to understand the reality of heaven. It's not some nebulous concept. Look, if you will, at the first two verses of Revelation chapter 21. John said this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea. And I, John, saw, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What John is describing here in these two verses is a new heaven 
and a new earth. I'm so thankful that this flawed earth is not what we have to look forward to. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it corresponds with the heaven and earth today, but heaven is a real place. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse number 2? I almost feel guilty even saying John 14, because Pastor Howard owns John 14, if you, if you remember. I don't want to put him on the spot, because at this moment he would forget what it said. But in John 14, in verse number 2, it says, I go to prepare a place, what? A place for you. Again, we have that, the geography of heaven, I go to prepare a place. It's not some state of mind. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Do you know that we're going to have resurrected bodies? Uh, there's a real, literal resurrection of the body. The body is coming out of the grave. Where's it going to go? There has to be a place for it to go. And if I have a resurrected body, I have to have a resurrected place uh, for me to walk around on. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, speaking of Abraham from the Old Testament, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs uh, with him of the same promise. That is this, old Abraham, we, call, we sing the song, Father Abraham. He's old. He had never built a house out of stone or brick or mortar. His entire life he lived in tents, sojourning, moving from one place to another. And that's why the Bible tells us why. For he looked for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. There's coming a time when your feet will literally walk in a place called heaven. Not only did John, the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, have the opportunity to peer and look into heaven, there was a time when even the Apostle Paul was allowed to appear into what is referred to as the third heaven. And, and, and so uh, uh, some of you, uh, what, what does it mean by third heaven? Where's first and second heaven? Well, the, the first heaven is the atmosphere, right, that circles our earth. And then the, the second heaven is what we can see in space. And beyond that is the third heaven. And the Apostle Paul, he took a, a sojourn, a trip, if you will. He was allowed to venture into heaven. And he describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And he said this, I knew a man in Christ. Now, he's speaking of himself in the third person. He said this, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up into the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, look, I was caught up into the third heaven. I had the opportunity to go into the third heaven. Um, and, and whether I was in the body or in the spirit, I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a, an opportunity he, through a vision to be able to transport. He was able to see the third heaven. What does that tell me? It tells me that your spirit and your body can both go to heaven. What happened to his body when he walked out of that grave is that they, that they saw him when Jesus was resurrected from the body. Uh, they touched him. They felt him. But where did he go? Where did that body go? The Bible says in the book of Acts that it went to a place. It went to a place, and that place is that he disappeared, and he went to heaven. It is a real place. It is more real than Tucson, Arizona. And if you have a loved one in heaven, they are in a real place. That is the geography of heaven. The Bible calls it a new heaven and a new earth because the present earth and this, this, this earth is going to be burned up. It's going to disappear. You say, well, where does that come from in Scripture? If you 
will follow along these scriptures in 2 Peter chapter number 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the, uh, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that these all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness, looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being uh, on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. My friend, multiple authors of the Bible, all seen together, have told us, Heaven is a real place. And what is God going to do with planet Earth? Planet Earth is destined for fire. It's destined to be destroyed by fire. And uh, God is going to take it, and there's going to be a great meltdown. Uh, and here's what's going to happen. is It's going to be dissolved, making way for the new heaven and the new earth. Well, um, Paul speaks to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. gives us this idea about how that... Uh, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He says it happens to us spiritually. He says this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old man did not disappear, was not evaporated, but it was transformed. You and I have been purged by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the old world, and the old heaven is going to be purged by fire, and it's going to become a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, the geography of heaven, it's a material place that provides us a glimpse of that new capital. What's the name of the new capital? Okay, there's like 15 people out of 800 that know where the new capital is going to be. What's the new capital? Jerusalem. The new capital is Jerusalem. John wrote to that in verse 9 and 10. Uh, he says, the angel of heaven says, I show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And then he shows us the new Jerusalem. Now you say, now wait a minute. Is the Lord married to a city? What is he talking about here? Well, when you talk of a city, you can talk of the place or the people. Let me give you an example. I can say this. Las Vegas is a beautiful city. And it is. But I could also say this, Las Vegas is a wicked city, and it is. One, in one context, I'm talking about the place. In the other context, I'm talking about the people. And that's what God is doing here in this book of Revelation. We're talking about heaven, and we're talking about the geography of heaven, and we're saying that heaven is a material place. And, and the fact of the matter is, is there's people there right now. And uh, we will be there one day in our resurrected bodies, and we've already looked at resurrected bodies in a previous message in our study in the book of Revelation. Here's fact number two. Yes, there's a geography of heaven, but there's also a government in heaven. There's a government in heaven. There is, there, when we look forward to heaven, we can see what is going to happen. I want you to see the government of heaven. Heaven is simply going to be a majestic place. Why is that? Because the God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, is going to rule there. Back to your Bibles in Revelation chapter 21. Please follow along as we pick up in verse number 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And oh, verse number 4. How many of you are looking forward to verse number 4? You know what verse number 4 says? And God shall wipe away their tears. 
Isn't that going to be a sweet time? There's going to be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he saith unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto them that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'd like to ask you, are you going to be verse number four or verse number eight? If you're to verse number four, that means you're firmly planted in heaven and God's going to wipe away all your tears and all of your sorrow. But if you're verse number eight, that means for all of eternity, you'll be in a place called the lake of fire where there'll be much sorrow, much crying. Who is saying this? Jesus. You say, well, a preacher is a fire and brimstone preacher with disdain. Oh, don't say that with a sneer because you're talking about Jesus. These are the words of Jesus talking about fire and brimstone. Oh, what will the government be like in heaven? The king, the Bible says, is going to rule in majesty. God is dwelling with his people. and We need to learn some things about heaven. Therefore, when the Lord rules in majesty, there are some no mores, if I could put it that way. For example, there is going to be no more sorrow. I'm looking forward to that fulfillment of verse number four. I can tell you through more than 165, 66 times I've had to do a funeral. Both Pastor and I, Howard and I together, hundreds of funerals. And there's been many times that we've been heartbroken as we stood by the open grave. And we wept with the family who was weeping over a lost loved one. I've been sorrowful many times in the hospital watching someone wreathe in pain. I've been brought to tears many times to see mothers crying over a wayward child. Oh, I've witnessed the tears of a spouse who said goodbye to their spouse. I've witnessed tears as there's been a, a, a loss uh, of a marriage. And I've sat in the hospital room when it, with, a, with a mother who had a miscarriage and lost her child. I recently, um, I, I recently uh, went and visited a, a family. I was with a family of our church that had a full-born, um, uh, had the delivery, the child was stillborn, and the mother was, the mother was so grieving that she said, she, she said, just uh, to cremate the baby, and I don't want, I mean, she was so devastated that by that, that she just couldn't get over, um, that God would allow her full-term baby to be born. This happened several years ago, as a matter of fact, about seven years ago. And so I, I was there in the hospital room, and the family didn't know what to do. And they said, just, just cremate the baby. I don't want it. You know, just do whatever you need to do. I, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and I walked out in the hallway, and I said, the family's going to regret that decision. I said, would you make sure that I get those cremated ashes? And for seven years, I kept those cremated ashes in my safe. 
And I just felt impressed upon the Lord. It was time to go visit that family. And I brought those little cremated ashes. And that mother hugged my neck and kissed me <laughs> on the cheek. She gave me the biggest hug, gave me a big old kiss on the cheek, and she said, thank you so much. In my grief and despair and sorrow, I couldn't see what I was doing, but thank you. There's a lot of people that's, there's a lot of people that's been afflicted by sorrow and tears. It seems like uh, we were born crying, and we live crying, and we die crying, but there's coming a time, folks, when God is going to turn every hurt into a hallelujah. God's going to turn every Calvary to an Easter. And God's going to say, there's no more tears. There's no more sighing. There's no more crying. And there's no more dying. And there's no more funerals. And there's no more death. And there's no more disease. There's no more breakups of marriages. There's no more wayward children. There's no more. And these things are gone. And I say, I'm looking forward to that. There will be. No more sorrow. That's going to be the government of heaven. And I tell you, there'll be no more sorrow because there'll be no more sin. Would you skip down to just one verse there in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27? God is speaking about this city, uh, Jerusalem, and he says this, And there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you know what is messed up here on planet earth? It is called sin, sin. And every time there is a sorrow and every time there is a tear and every time there is a heartbreak and every time there is a sickness and every time there is a pain, ultimately behind it is this word sin. Now, I'm not saying I know how many of you parse and dissect my message. I'm not saying that if you're sick today, you're living in sin. But what I am saying this is that I'm saying that we live in a world that has a curse on it and it is the curse of sin. Yeah, I've never understood why my dad had to die at such an early age. And I've stated this on numerous occasions at 61. It's a wake-up call when his dad died at 62 and my dad died at 61, and that's four years from now. And so it's uh, caused me to, to strongly take care uh, of my body and this temple so that I, don't, that I don't have that same fate unless it be God's will. But I've been asked, are you bitter at God for taking your dad let me tell you something. I'm not bitter at God. I'm bitter at the devil. He's the one because of sin that caused my dad to die. I'm saying there's coming a day when all sickness and all sorrow and all pain and all suffering, all death is gone. And God says in my heaven, the government of heaven is this. No more of that. You're not coming in here. Sin will not be there because the king rules in majesty. Not only do I see in chapter 21 the geography of heaven and the government of heaven, but quickly notice with me the glory of heaven. The glory of heaven. To fully understand this, we need to do a responsive reading right here. I'm going to ask you to join me. Take your Bibles. The verses will be on the screen behind me. We're going to do a responsive reading, verses 13 down to verse 27. I read the odd verses, you read the even verses. And the reason we're going to read this is that we're going to see the glorious heaven that you and I will be um, if we name Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. I'll begin reading in verse number 13, and um, 
And Pastor Howard, if you would, if you'll follow along, that way everyone can hear you, and you'll, on the, you guys will be reading the even verses here. So, uh, and that way those by live stream will hear all of the verses as well. Verse 13, on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third caldoni, the fourth an emerald. The fifth sardis, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, and the ninth a topaz, the tenth chrysopis, the eleventh a jansen, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was, one, uh, was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, and it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut out all by day, for there shall be no more there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. What God has done here is that he has just gone through the lexicons of the entire world, and he's taken the things that are indescribably beautiful and used them as a symbol. And I, I believe that we have just been able to read about the greater glories of heaven. I want you to see a couple things here about the glories of heaven. As we notice the sights of this city, it shines because of the very glory of God. You don't need a sun. You don't need a moon, the Bible says. The glory of God will be the source of light. The Bible says that heaven has walls and gates, and they are breathtaking in beauty. The city has walls of jasper, and the city itself is a city of gold. Can you imagine? Remember, John's trying to describe something that no man has ever seen before. The city has walls of jasper. Imagine the brilliance and the glow of the glory of God, the colored jewels and the verdant greens and the sky blue and the red and the gold and, and the translucent and see the shimmering walls of that city. But when I studied this, I'd ask this question. Why are there walls in heaven? I think that's a fair question, don't you? Why are there walls in heaven? Well, the walls are not there to keep us in because we just read the gates are open. The walls are not there to keep the wicked out. All wickedness is now in the lake of fire. These walls are here for the glory of God to shine against and to radiate. 
And in a very real sense, they are monumental walls because on these walls are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then in the foundation, the names of the 12 apostles. You know, there is coming a time when Jew and Gentile are going to be one together. And I don't know if you have some prejudice against Jewish people. If you do, God's going to make that right. He's going to put a Jew beside you, in front of you, behind you, and, and, and in front of you. So you're going to have a Jew living on all four sides of you. So you might as well get used to it. There's going to be a lot of Jews in heaven. We don't, need to be, we don't need to be prejudiced against Jews. And the same thing is true of the Jew. If the Jew is prejudiced against us Gentiles, God has a sense of humor. He's going to put a Gentile on all four sides of that Jew. But here's what I do know is that we're going to be one in Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this. Here at Tucson Baptist Church, there you have, we have uh, so many different sections, five sections de- uh, downstairs, six sections upstairs. So, so we have 11 sections. That means that you literally could come to church at Tucson Baptist Church, sit in a section, and someone could be sitting in the next section that you do not like, and you do not care for, and you don't even see them at church. Um, because you're sitting in different sections. Let me just say this. When you get to heaven, you're going to be one. And all of the things and all of the angst and all the rub, that's going to go away. Think of the size of this city. In verse 15 and 16, the, the, it talks of the, of the city and it's four square. And the Bible says it measured the city with a rod and it was 12,000 furlongs. You know how far that is? I think it's in your notes. It's 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles this way. 1,500 miles this way. 1,500 miles this way. 1,500 miles this way. It is going to be an amazing city. Um, The Bible calls it a four-square city. Well, what does the four-square remind us of? It actually reminds us of the Holy of Holies in the temple. And uh, we won't spend a lot of time uh, uh, about that, but in the Old Testament, uh, there was an actual description of the Holy Holies and a very specific size, and it was only meant for one person in God. And that was when the, the priest went in there. Now we see the Holy of Holies. The Bible says the Holy of Holies is God himself. And it's 1,500 square miles. This way, that way, up, down. It's a massive, massive city. What is God telling us? Well, friend... There is so much room in this city that only God knows how many stories and strata that there is in this city. And you know, sometimes people say this, will there be room enough in heaven for all those people that have ever lived? Friend, they have done the calculations. Listen to this. The ground that has been given to us here in Revelation chapter uh, 21, the ground floor in heaven can contain, listen to this, uh, the Bible tells us that it is going to be able to contain room for 100 billion people on one floor. I'm telling you, heaven is going to be a magnificently glorious place, and this is the size of the heaven. But yet there is a fourth uh, a glorious fact about heaven, and that is the godliness of heaven. The godliness of heaven. On what you see here, the godliness of heaven, heaven is a made new place. And if you're not made new, you're not going to have any part of it. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I beg you, I beg you, I plead with you, I earnestly plead with you to make that decision to trust Jesus Christ today. It's the greatest decision that you will ever make. Heaven is going to be a place where there are multiplied billions and billions of people and say, who's going to populate heaven? Let me just tell you, every little aborted baby that the United States has produced is going to be in heaven. They say between 50 and 60 million aborted babies 
I'm here to tell you that they will be in heaven one day. And all the saints of all the ages are going to be there. And your grandmas and your grandpas and your uh, uncles and your aunts and those who have gone on before you, your spouses, they're going to be there. And the nations of the worlds are going to be there. But however, I want you to notice this. Not a single person will be in heaven above the age of accountability who has not received Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior You just won't be there. You won't be there. And I beg and plead with you again, trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And old things are passed away. And in heaven, it is a godly, holy, prepared place for a godly, holy, prepared people. Um, A man dreamed one time that he stood outside the gates of heaven. And he saw people trying to get in heaven. One man knocked at the gate. A voice within said, who is it that seeks entrance into heaven? The man said, I'm a a humanitarian. And he said, what is the password? And the man said, love. And the voice said in heaven, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Another man knocked. Who is it that seeks entrance into heaven? I am a moral man. What is the password into heaven? And the man said, honesty. The voice from behind the wall said, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. And there's another knock. Who is it that seeks entrance into heaven? And he said, I am a religious man. And the man from behind the wall said, What is the password into heaven? And he said, Ritual. And the voice behind the wall said, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Finally, there's another knock. And from behind the gate of heaven in this dream, the man said, He heard this. Who is it that seeks entrance into heaven and what is the password? And the man said this. In my hand no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And the voice within said, open wide the gate. Let him in for such is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever come to the cross? Have you ever repented of your sin? Have you ever really, I mean honestly, trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you trusting in your humanitarianism? I do good works. I give money to this cause and I give money to that cause. Are you trusting in your charity? Are you trusting because you're a moral person? Are you trusting in your religion? Are you trusting in your membership into a church? If you are not trusting in Jesus Christ, you will go to the lake of fire. We've arrived at our fifth and final fact about heaven. I want you to Be encouraged this morning. Let's notice the gratification of heaven. The gratification of heaven. The last thing I want you to see is the gratification of heaven. Heaven is an amazing place of satisfaction. Look with me. We have now gone to move to Revelation chapter 22. Looking quickly at just the first five verses here. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on the either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were on the healing of the nations. And there were no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants uh, shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, For the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Holy angel, could you just walk us down Main Street of heaven? 
Could you just walk us down the street? I am... Um, I, I, I'm going to mess with some of your theology this morning. Is that okay? I'm almost finished, but I'm going to mess with some of you. Sometimes our theology is warped by a song. Right? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. That is not true. The cross was at an intersection of... Uh, uh, of a Roman road because the Romans used crucifixion to instill fear into the people. And so the cross was not on a hill far away. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I would love for you to show me that. I, I, I would love for you to show me that in the Word of God. It, it, it's not there. But we sing that song Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and that place is where we're going to worship Jesus. And we're going to walk the streets of gold. And there's not going to be someone has a bigger place than another place. The place is, is that we're going to go to heaven, and when we go to heaven, we are there for one purpose, to rule and reign with Christ. Do you know, um, I would challenge anyone. Set up an appointment and say, uh, show me where that song is theologically correct and accurate. Um, the Bible says that we're going to go rule and reign with Christ. Now notice here, we're going to walk down Main Street of Heaven. We just want to go down there and we want to see what heaven's going to be like. And, and we're going to see people of deep satisfaction because they're drinking from the crystal river. And what does the river symbolize? The river sim represents our deepest needs have been met. In Revelation 22 and verse number 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Every thirst that you have ever had that's been given to us will be satisfied in heaven. But not only is heaven a place of satis satisfaction, it's a place of sufficiency. For in Romans 22 and verse number 2, it tells us that there are trees that are each ripening, 12 different types of fruit. If you don't like fruit in this life, I am so sorry for you because in heaven you're going to be eating some fruit. And it's going to be amazing fruit. And it's going to be the glow of health that will be upon everyone that is in heaven. And it's a place not only where there is satisfaction, not only where there is sufficiency, but the Bible tells us it's a place of service. The Bible says, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in, and his servants shall serve him. I know I'm running out of time, so, so please listen very carefully. Heaven is not a great big retirement home. It's not. I, I'm sorry. Um, we're not going to heaven to have a big vacation. We're not going to heaven to have this forever uh, eternity of just sleeping. The Bible says that we're going to heaven to live life freely and we're going to experience things that we've never experienced in this life. It is not a big retirement home. Get that out of your mind. It is not that we're going to be sitting on a fluffy cloud and that we're rolling around the clouds and we're wearing some wooly, a wooly robe and we have some rusted halo and that we're plucking a harp. I don't know where that comes from, but that's not what heaven is about. The grand activity of heaven will be to serve God for all of eternity and that we will be one of his servants and we shall serve him. I say this, 
Heaven is going to be amazing. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be without sin. There's going to be no sorrow. There's going to be no tears. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to experience it. But we've got to get out in our finiteness. We've got to get some things out of our mind that's not ever, ever talked about in Scripture. The reason we go to heaven is to worship Jesus for all of eternity. That's why we're going to heaven. And it's going to be a perfect place. It's going to be a beautiful place. And there's a lot of things that we do not know. And so we're not going to surmise about that. But what we do know has been presented to us in a beautiful picture in Revelation chapter number 21. I ask you, will you be in the lake of fire or will you be in the new heaven? Will you be in the new heaven or will you be in the